2: You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
0: Welcome to Another Word in Your Ear. This one about King Crimson, who we love. An extraordinary story and a band with an inscrutable leader. And finally, someone with the required uh, courage and patience has made a, a documentary to um, uh, lift up the bonnet and see how the engine works. And uh, and
2: that uh, documentary is directed by Toby Ames. Toby, lovely to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, um, I used to. Uh, we used to share the makeup room sometimes in Holy Crescent when I was working for MTV. Oh, and you right! Yes, we were doing, stuff, uh, doing VH1. <laughs> yeah, you were doing Video Hits One, and I was always rather sort of intimidated and and shy <laughs> around you two. I felt I felt what I felt like was a fourth warmer. He was, like, allowed to hang out with the sixth formers as long as he didn't say anything. Quite I was, right, uh, too.
0: Ian. Quite yeah. right, too. Let that, let that still prevail.
2: Yes. Uh, thank you for not beating me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or stealing your lunch money. Yeah. 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 That's great. Now, Toby, I, I assumed when I watched this that you were an obsessive fan. And it was a labour of love, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Actually, I mean, you're interested in King Crimson as a as a kind of intellectual concept, aren't you? But you you were never particularly involved in them uh, in their music.
2: No, no. To be very honest with you, I sort of um, you know my connection with Robert is is local. It's Worcestershire based. That's where I'm from. Yeah, represent and. And so uh, Robert and Toya moved into the same town, uh, which Robert refers to as Breedenborough, as my folks lived. And and basically, he and my dad were sort of the most interesting old chaps on the same street, and they got friendly. And so I met Robert sort of at my parents' house, I think. I did a oh, bit really? of work with him for a Radio 4 documentary I was making about archiving. And, and then... Um, uh i went over for drinks on christmas eve i think it was 2017 and was saying to robert that i'd that another film i'd made my first film the man whose mind exploded somebody had written to me on instagram and said you don't know me but i'm an enormous fan of your film the man whose mind exploded and actually i thought i want i wanted to let you know that several of us here in Oakland have set up a sort of sex cult based on the notion of cosmic fuck which is a tattoo that the the protagonist of my first documentary had and and I was just like I was just like amazed by that and i I was having a discussion with Robert saying how great it is once you've finished a work of art you put it out there and even though particularly this is the case I think with directing if you're're you're consciously thinking about people's reactions to what you've made then something happens like that that you could never have predicted and it's a really wonderful part of the creative process um so then i woke up uh the next day actually no it would have been christmas eve so it's christmas eve eve that we we went for drinks and there was a an email from robert who's got the most magnificent email address But obviously i can't tell you but it's really, really sure. perfect um and copied with the manager copied in saying could you come over to the house i wanted to talk to you about something and so i went over and david singleton the manager was there and robert said you know we've got a 50th anniversary coming up people keep on asking us um if uh they could make a film about king crimson and you know, Robert didn't want it to be like a BBC4 documentary, as he referred to, it. I think he said, you know, one of those films where the dead have been brought forth but remain unburied. Um, and so said to me, would you be interested in it? And then he said, why don't we call it Cosmic Fuck, but spelt F-U-K-C? Prog Rock Pond Scum, set to to bum you out. And that was the working title of the film for the first two years of its life. Um, astonishingly, never made it through to the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there's another story about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Um, just
0: tell me a bit about the practicalities of this. I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I'm not the world's biggest King Crimson fan, which is, you know no bad thing to, to still enjoy the film and one of the things that struck me was I wasn't aware of the film crew there at all would I be writing in thinking that was it just you it was just you was
2: wasn't it, it was it the poor sound and the lack of focus no, it that wasn't gave it. that away it
0: normally you're just aware of people that the, the, the people you're pointing the camera at are looking nervously at people out of shot or whatever you know but you didn't have that is that right
2: yeah so sound camera I was the lead producer on the film, and also I was the production manager on the film. And as I was typing that into the credits last year, I was like, production manager Toby Ames is a sentence that should never be written again, (laughs) ever. (laughs) Um, But yes, it's, um, there are, and I've, you know, I think because I'm that sort of person, I've read pretty much every review I can find about the film online, including the sort of nebbishy ones, you know, that you'll find in the deeper, darker recesses of, of King Crimson message boards and so on. And there have been some complaints about, you know, a wandering focus on times and so on, but those are sacrifices I'm willing to make because yeah, it is, it is primarily just me with a cam with a small camera with a very good microphone on it. But um, I think as I, as you know, I just, I, what I want to do is record relationships. I used to take, Um, portrait pictures for a living that was my my job and even then when I was doing that I think I was thinking I'm either I can either take a picture of somebody having their picture taken which is a very formal kind of transactional experience for everybody and a lot of the time when you do that you end up imposing your aesthetic on somebody or you can build a relationship some- with somebody because a lot of time I was photographing sort of normal people. But talking about building relationships, so this was Robert's idea, but I'm fairly sure that he wasn't that
0: cooperative for quite a long no, period of time. No, so so he didn't. He wouldn't. He went to start making the film and interviewing people, and he wouldn't be interviewed, would he? He wouldn't. He wouldn't talk to you. So was, no, what happened there? No,
2: it was. Um, it's. It's just. Uh, this is the advantage of recording the relationships, though, is that if even if they're going wrong, you're still getting material. Yeah. You know, as, long, as long as you're rolling. So it was actually the first day of tour rehearsals. That was my first day of filming with Robert outside of his kitchen. And and I was sitting there with a the camera about, about this big, just in the corner, uh, with Robert and Jeremy Stacey and Bill Rieflin. And... Uh, there was a break and the manager came up to me and said, Robert's getting a bit twitchy about the filming. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just yes. sitting in the corner. <laughs> and, it's just, yeah. um, and, and then and then Robert would come up to me and sort of do these really very professional, efficient pieces to camera telling me what's going on. Sometimes he would stand so close to the camera that it couldn't get a focus, which yeah, is yeah. one of the, yeah, the yeah, things yeah. in the film. Um, but... Yeah, as as we sort of moved out on tour and went through the friends and family things, I was, I was sort of nudged further and further back. And as is the way in King Crimson, and, and part of the idea, the conceit of the film, is that not that I'm a member of King Crimson, but I want to take the audience into that space. And if I've got like a massive film crew with me, I can't do no, it that, work. you know, because yeah, you know, no, it it's you're you're just recording theatre at that point, pretty much, or or everybody's sort of inspired to yeah. to perform. So you do have to engage with people enough that you can be kind of irritating and you are getting under their skin, but but that so that they the conversation that you have with them is not affected by the presence of the camera. Obviously, that was difficult to do with Robert, and at one point it's not in the film, but I've got this magnificent conversation with Jacko saying that you know Robert commissions you to make this film he wants you to make this film now that you're making this film he decided he doesn't want to talk to you and that um that sort of initially I was like well this is going to be good it provides some antagonism and, and conflict in the film but after a while it was just like well I'm not really learning anything about about King Crimson here and you know, there's another bit which is not in the film where Bill Riefland says, of course, if you turn the spotlight off on you, on yourself, you know, you will be drawing attention to yourself on, on stage. And so there was this thing that was happening there. That's a very good point. Uh, Bill Bruford is, you know, it was uh, sort of, um, he's not quite Yoda in the film, but he just has a... A very clear understanding of the yeah. dynamics at, at play, and as he said, he I love it when he, he sort of laughs and he says, "You see before you somebody who's not completely ruined by the process." <laughs> um, but um, but it's yeah, so. so- it's so interesting that because a lot of the movies about
0: the, the groups, the internal dynamic of the group is in their relationship with Robert, who is a very, very hard taskmaster. This is a man who believes in cold showers in the morning, doesn't he? he believes yeah. in discipline. He talks at one point about how when they go on stage, they have to reach the band's potential. If they don't, that's a heartbreak on on the on the level of his mother dying. Yes. So what kind of an environment is that? to 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 be in if you're a member of a band what feeling do you get about that
2: i i think it's i mean this is like i think i think i make if if i'm making a good film i think the film is good if you walk out of the film not knowing whether one thing is right or the other thing is right. And you're having to do that Kipler, Kipling thing. I think it's Kipling, isn't it? Of like holding two two opposing thoughts in oh, your mind right, at yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah. And and the King Crimson experience for me is that you come into this space, you're probably gonna do, if not some of the if not the best work of your life, some of the best work of your life. But I think most people would say it's probably the best work of their lives. Simultaneously the demands that are put on you in that space will be incredibly difficult. And so the sort of central dilemma of the film is like, was it fucking worth it? You know, is it worth going through this thing? But the yeah, thing... is the
0: running gag is, you're irreplaceable, just like the last one. Yeah, which yeah. really, is really, it's really
2: funny. Yeah. Of one of the um, uh, working titles I had for the film was Trigger's Broom, because it like, you know, you keep on replacing the parts. Yeah. And it remains, um, it remains King Crimson, even though the component parts may be, may be different. Yeah. Um, but I think that that it's it's not so much that Robert is is telling people what to do; it's that Robert has created a space in which you are expected to do your best work, and so the hard taskmaster in that or the most immediate taskmaster in that context is yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. you that's pushing yourself. And I, you know, I the, we had three people editing this film and the first two, I think probably um, you know, I think we all experience that that dynamic of like pushing ourselves too possibly too far in in the search of excellence. So it's it's very rare that you find an a uh, a situation where you can sort of say, Robert did this and therefore this thing happened. Um it's it's more that that like Robert is allowing these things to happen. How much responsibility he has for what happens in the creative space he's created, that's you know, that's for the audience to to decide. But it's sort of it's so it, much of it, yeah. So much it's a just,
0: head fuck, Mark. It is. So much just about the friction between the, the band members, past and present, you know. Um, you know, at one point he says that, I think it was between 1969 and 2013, life in that band, his own band, had been wretched.
2: Yeah, it's the word he words,
0: uses. wretched. You know, it's his band, so I don't know who's responsible for that. And he then says that uh, that since then, or well, this lineup certainly is the first one that didn't resent him personally. So what yeah. has changed in him? That is what, what what's different about him now that people have that
2: different reaction? Well, <laughs> I mean, I it fairly early on in this process, I said to myself, you are not going to remain sane if you spend a lot of time trying to work out what's going on in Robert Fripp's head. Um, and that's the task I'm quite happy to put on to the audience in, in the film. Just give them yeah, enough yeah. enough yeah. information. Um but what's changed, I think you could say that, well, as Mel says in the film, you know, that, that he's mellowed. Some of the original characters have mellowed. Um, how he casts the casts the band, as it were, you know, the component parts, he might have chosen that so everybody gets on uh, a bit better. Um, and I think there's something also... And I and I in a way I wish there was more of this in the film, but there's something about that three drummer lineup that really changes the nature of the band. Um the drummers think, at the front too. Yeah, yeah. And it's um the I mean, drummers. It's uh, what is it, you know, the, the the only parallels I can think of there are Adam and the Ants <laughs> <laughs> um and the boredoms, perhaps. But it's there's something about that that I think. I think with the drums leading in a way, then yeah. then maybe, you know, there are, you know, one of the reasons, even though I'm not, I wasn't the biggest King Crimson fan, I fucking love music. You know, it's my, it's my main filmmaking is my work, but music is, is my passion. And, you know, through that, you, you know, I'm sure you guys noticed that I saw, when I was in Louisiana recently, I saw, uh, I saw this amazing Cajun band. They all look like tractor drivers. Um, but one of them was wearing a t-shirt that said, relax the bass players here. Okay. And 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 I think that there are certain types of egos associated with certain types of instruments. Yeah. Particularly vocals and guitar, let's let's be honest. Yeah. And I and I do wonder whether that the sort of the the foregrounding of the this is pure uh, conjecture drums, on my behalf. Yeah. Has has changed that sort of dynamic um, in the You're band. You're kind of little putting little.
0: them in charge, aren't you? If you have three drummers, yeah, absolutely. They can't even by sheer weight. They kind <laughs> of they get their own way, don't they? And I'm not yeah, and criticising at all. But it, no,
2: and drummers are not going to put up with any nonsense. Uh, generally speaking,
0: I tell you what. I, one of the things that struck me when he's talking about the early days when was it McDonald and Giles left mm. halfway through the. You know the, the the great first tour, and I think Robert Fripp says he was so heartbroken. At once he said, "Well, I'll leave my slot yes. as long hmm. as you keep it going." Yeah. And that struck me that is a real, that's a unique reflection on from a, from a leader of a band. Well, There's, this is. I think isn't it that speaks... the gist of it? Like, you get the impression this is a group, very rare example actually, of a group who's. Collective music is kind of valued more highly than their individual careers, you know, the people making it. Would that, would that I, yeah. I, I would go slightly further. Do you know the, the other thing that I think it's like? It re- reminds me of most, uh, it's not musical, is something like the actor's studio. You know, you mm-hmm. start, you know, like Kazan or whatever. We, this is a place where we do things in this way. Yeah. It's yeah. all about um, loads of people coming in and doing it in this way.
2: Or Mr. Bennett's um Centre for Continuous Education. You know, it's it it is. There's a again in the earlier version of the film, there's a bit where I say to the the guy from Seattle who's spent a mere five thousand dollars coming to see That's King right. Crimson, I say to him, Is is King Crimson a cult with Robert Fripp as his leader? And he goes I don't, maybe?
0: <laughs> yes. Um,
2: so, so there on the subject on.
0: of J.G. Bennett, I thought it was really interesting as a bit of filmmaking. There's a moment in the film where you ask him about J.G. Bennett, who was the guy who ran a spiritual um, uh, commune that he, that he Robert mm-hmm. went to for a while. And he takes two minutes <laughs> to answer the question. I actually timed it. I went back time. I thought my machine had broken because he seemed to have frozen. And for two minutes in your film, he sits there absolutely motionless. And then answers the question, so what was going on there? That is wildly eccentric.
2: <laughs> the, uh, the megapause, we call it, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I have had various theories um, about that. The, most, um, the, the one that resonated most strongly for me was that there is apparently there's a sort of mindful mindfulness technique where you, you check in on various parts of your body. Um, as part of a of a meditative process, um, but I um, I don't really know what was happening, but I think that in terms of you know when I was making when I was sitting there in in the office with Robert, um, and it was like and, and experiencing it, it was like one of those cartoon moments where you've got a devil on the shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder and the devil is the sort of tv type thing and the, and he's going this is amazing keep rolling don't say yeah, anything absolutely. this is incredible you know yeah. and this is going to be amazing in the cinema and the angel was going uh, do you, i think you need to check in on robert is Thank he sure all, right? He's all, right. He's he's all right he's just gone
1: he's gone you know, We've Lost um, him."
2: and and you know the devil won out um <laughs> and and we have that moment but it's sort of um I think it speaks to a wider theme in the film and you know when we were talking about it it not being like other music documentaries per se is that one of the themes of the film and this relates to the sort of the the uh, osmosis of some of bennett's and gurgis ideas into the creative process of king crimson is this notion of being present and 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 the sort of the, the film investigates different ways of experiencing and an approaching time because the clock of mortality is ticking very loudly, or the metronome of mortality is clicking very loudly throughout the film. So so I think in a sense that what Robert might be doing there is a is a sort of form of mental time travel and he's putting himself back into that into that moment. And it's clearly uh, a very important moment. I think also in the film, it allows the audience, because you've got this barrage of you know, old man bile and this sort of, yes. you know, negative yeah. history and everyone's yeah. bitching and moaning. It's, all, and it's
0: old blokes, isn't it? Yeah. That's it is. a yeah. curmudgeon. It's <laughs> real old curmudgeon. But,
2: but <laughs> um, or, you know, it's, but uh, that's, I've also had people going, oh, it's just a bunch of old men burning so themselves. Like, well, they're human beings. They're you know, allowed got to. to teach they're us. allowed
0: yeah. to. They have as much right to talk about themselves as anybody else does. Yes. Yeah. And, and did you, you feel know, it, it was a happy place for them to be? I mean, it's really hard to tell, isn't it? Because, you know, he seems to expect so much from them he he practices 4 hours a day and the inference yeah. is that they should be doing the same.
2: You know? Yeah, I think I think it is fair to say of Robert that that one of his like primary irritations is that he just doesn't understand why people don't get it. Um and I think that's one of the things that's really important about the character of Bill Reifling in the film is that he gets it. You know, he yes, absolutely he understands what he's going to get out of it, why he's there, and why it's meaningful, and obviously for Bill, it's you know there there the, there's an extra weight to all of those things. But
0: um, we should probably explain. Bill was the he was the, for a long time the drummer of REM, wasn't he? He joined King Crimson yeah. and then became very very ill. I knew him a bit actually, he was a fabulous bloke. And uh, oh,
2: just a became very to- very
0: ill, and eventually during the course of the, making the film, very sadly died. So yes, there's a very elegiac quality to the, the things that you record with him. It's extraordinary.
2: And I think he just, but also, and and you know, I always say this when I talk about Bill in the context of the film. It's there's something really fucked up about talking about your your friend's death in in narrative terms. But I'm I'm going to is that everybody in that band is facing mortality in one way or another because they're all getting on like we're getting on, yeah, okay. and and so, but because the clock was ticking even louder for Bill because of his diagnosis. You know, it, it was in, it was just very powerful to have somebody talking about the importance of music in the context of, of 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 your impending death. And there was there's a sequence in the film where where you see Bill from behind, in front of these audiences applauding. Yeah. And he's telling us in voiceover, "It's just horrendous details of what he's going through medically." It's terrible. Yeah, it really is awful. But you also see the fact that he's, his work is bringing joy to all of these yeah. people. Yeah. And and you, you just get it. You're like, there, there is meaning to music. And, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, it's like, for me, it's a film about King Crimson, but it's also a love letter to the process of making music. And I just think it's... There's plenty of old men bitching about the past in the film, but it's also, it's really important to show both musicians and non-musicians, that, that it's actually really, really hard work. And for it to be good, yeah. it is really. And the thing I really... I've got so much respect for everybody in that band is that they've all got their vices or whatever, but they've stayed in the game. And when they go out, even though, as Adrian Ballou says, you know, slightly bitchily, he's waiting for the Adrian Ballou material, says, being
0: in that group made his hair
2: fall out. That's really good. Carry on. I think other people might have some things to say. Um, I'm not going to say more than that. Um, But um, it's just nice to see people of a gentleman of a certain age still taking creative risks. Oh, absolutely. You you were saying, were they having fun? Then they're not really having fun. But.
0: That's not why they're in it, you know. Exactly. I think yeah.
2: they, they recognise they're doing something meaningful, and you can't. But the look audience out.
0: really appreciate that. There's quite a lot about the audience, and I think that's really interesting because the audience have this extraordinary relationship with the group. Robert is very cold towards the audience, and they kind of accept that. But for them, it's a it's a kind of a religious uh, ecstasy, isn't it? Yeah. But in fact, mm. one of the people you interview is a is a, is a, a nun, nun, a prog rock nun. Yes. I remember she Norwegian. I can't remember where she came from now, but she. What did
2: she tell you in the in the you give, you, to sum up what she said about the group. Well, again, with that sort of devil and angel thing, there was, as soon as I heard about Sister Dana, the prog rock nun of Oslo, I, you know, the devil in me was like, that's going to be great in the film. You, yeah. know, know, Jesus, this, Jesus. you know, novelty. Yeah. Um, and then I went to spoke, speak to her. And as a, as you sometimes find with... With people who are really, really committed to their religion, you—you, you, it's a good way to understand the worth and the the point of that yeah. religion. And so, she just spoke really beautifully about the concept of prayer, and 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 there's a there's a distinct analogy between what she says about liturgy, which is that everybody's singing, but there's times you've got to shut the fuck up. Obviously, that's not her physiology. Um, that, but you've got to you've got to be quiet and listen in order for somebody else's part to 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 come out in the way it's meant to and, and that's a direct analogy both in terms of things robert said to me about you know the importance of silence and so on and and we sort of fuse that with um with footage of the band that you can see there's a brilliant shot of robert's hand just waiting above the strings for the point at which he's going to play but allowing everything else to to go so so i think she sort of spoke with what you might say is the highest authority <laughs> um, with with regard to to the, the the parallels between how they pray in the convent and how king crimson um play play on stage and yeah i think i think you know to to go back to what david was saying there is something quasi if not actually religious about the experience of, of the, I don't know if you guys Absolutely. saw them on any of the last tours I did yes yeah so you, did you In, have that, sense Empire that I, I think of, it was oh okay there's yeah. um, Chris Morris and Stuart Lee were at that show as well I believe oh well, yes um, I saw Stuart Lee there yes it's fantastic um, it's like having a deep tissue body massage or something you're not entirely yeah. sure why it's doing that to you but you very much feel that it's it's doing that to you and and you come out of it changed. But then there's yeah. the other interesting dynamic of, as Trey Gunn says, once people have had it once, they want it more.
0: They want it more, mm. to an even higher level. I suppose the, the other thing, that it's, kind of, it's a unique film in lots of ways, but one of the things that makes it unique is it, you're making a film about a group who've been, been doing, well, Not quite. it's not a normal group, but they've been, King Crimson, have been doing what King Crimson do for 50 years. 55 there's no, years. There's nobody else in in music of any kind. Is I couldn't there? think. I couldn't uh, think that's of it. been doing it for that long. I don't think so. Yeah, and is there a group also? But was there anyone before them that's, that's remotely like them,
2: or, or since? I couldn't really think of any parallels. Actually, could you? I think the closest parallel I can think of to them live is Swans, um, because and Bill Rieflin played in Swans. Uh, yeah. So there's a sort of there's a a monumental quality to to what they do. It's almost physical when you experience it live. That is like that. But I think also the 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 sort of the 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 riddle or the enigma at the heart of King Crimson is that it's like it's you know Robert Robert's very clear that he doesn't like either term, but he loathes the idea of prog because that's like it's like a box, you know, when the whole idea is to progress. So yeah. I think King Crimson, you know, I heard the other day that, that the, the, the true essence of the theory of evolution, is not about the survival of the fittest. It's about the survival of the species most capable of adapting to changing circumstances. And that I think is the sort of, that's the special thing in the DNA of King Crimson is that it mutates. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it remains recognisably King Crimson because it's sort of, yeah. as I, you know, like to point out, I think the Discipline band is effectively a turbocharged post-punk band. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not really a prog band at all. No, no. You know, um, but they still somehow feel like King Crimson.
0: Yeah. So, what does Robert think of the film? Because I mean, he, he, as you say, the bits of it where he, he commissioned it and then he didn't appear to want to collaborate, and then he's now promoting it. Isn't he? He's been going out and doing the old Q&A and things, so he must like it, he must approve of it. If you're Robert Fripp, your whole persona is, I'm not the guy who says, that's great. I'm no, just absolutely. Not. I'm the guy I... who works harder than everybody else, is further out there than everybody else. Yeah. That's my position in life. I
2: i would just say that it's very significant that very early on the film, someone says, now that I know what you want, I know what I can withhold in order to gain more power. Oh, right. Um, So I, I, I... Do you know the musician Hal Gelb?
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Giant sand yeah. and all that. Yeah.
2: Right. yeah. Yeah. I I I I house a friend of mine and I approached him a long time ago saying I'd love to make a film about you. And he just said to me, "Why would I want a film made about me?" <laughs> and and I remember thinking, I've got no good answer to that question. No, no, so, absolutely. So, perfectly good so, point. I I wouldn't want to have a film made about me, and I particularly wouldn't want to have a film made about me by somebody who's sort of you know, whole modus, of operandi, a modus operandi was to, to get under people's skin and sort of develop relationships with them and achieve this on-screen intimacy that allows people to see things that don't normally get seen. That's the last thing I want. Yeah. Yeah. So he has said various things about the film, uh, some of which have been not negative. He said to me, he said on several occasions that he wanted me to tell him what King Crimson is, and that the film doesn't really do that, but I my counter to that is that I think what the f- the film demonstrates that King Crimson is is that it's something to live for um and but it's also as I said it's a it's it's in a constant state of flux it remains itself whilst consistently changing and that's as close to a definition as I could possibly get, but it's not. Because of this nature of flux, it's not a fluxus. It's it's you know it's not something you can necessarily define. He's also said that it's a oh, it's something about musicians living and dying that was relatively positive. And then recently he said that um, that I think I think that he and again I'm terrified of paraphrasing him because I won't get into direct trouble. But, you know, if this is the thing. Is you, you just don't know where the boundaries are until you've crossed them. Um,
0: he likes taking people off. He loves it. He it does. It's a teacher. It's the school, school
2: teacher. teacher. It's a, well, I, you, I, I don't know if I told you that, like, when people said, what's it like being on tour with King Crimson? I said, well, you know, having gone to a minor public school, I think it's a lot like going on tour with the rugby team and at the last minute the games master falls ill and they send the rugby team out with the head of maths there you oh go that's, that's very good
0: absolutely yeah. what it is and, yeah. and
2: they, and, they and, the, and the and the team start winning so nobody you know they just nobody wants to mess with it yeah. Yeah. nobody yes.
0: wants to mess with it I'll tell yeah. you, Jen, uh, finally, uh, one thing, my, my favorite. I've seen so many rock and roll films in my life. I've seen every cliche a million times over. But your film contained a shot I've never seen before, which is you're interviewing one member of the band in the foreground, and Robert is in the background, tootling about with something. And then, when well, you're halfway through the question. Suddenly, Robert goes, Well, oh, that's a load of bollocks. That's a ridiculous question. Yeah, and then, and then they, he turns to it's Jacko. He's interviewing Jacko Jackson, and he says, "Don't answer that. It's a ridiculous <laughs> question." And, I, and I you say that. to him, "Well, what's a better question then? Which yeah. is very good, actually." And that's what well, that, uh, I—I that I, I really admired that because I thought they're both mic'd up, or you yeah. can hear them both. I yeah. just never yeah.
2: see. Uh, just a, a really interesting sort of aside. When I was when I was kitting up for the film, and I was shooting the rehearsals and I hadn't bought my mic, I said to one of the sound guys, I said, look, there's these two Sennheiser ones, the mics, there's one that's about 500 quid and there's this other one that's like pushing two grand. Which one should I get? And he just went, I don't understand why you're asking me this question. Get the good one. Right. So that's why you can hear Robert. has uh, yeah, yeah. had a really uh, great uh, mic.
0: Because normally, you, know, you you know, normally I always think when anything spontaneous happens in front of a film crew, it misses it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because really. it's not, it's not pointing the camera in the right direction or it's not mic'd up properly. Whereas this captures that. It is. Uh, it's absolutely, it's really good. It's, it's a good. great Thank film. Thank you. <laughs> it's terrific. Oh, bless you both. And
2: we'll um, put
0: a little thing at the end telling people where there are various screenings, I think cinema screenings all around the country, and we'll 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 let people know where, where those thank you. are. And uh, no, it's congratulations, it's fantastic.
2: And we're oh in, bless uh, you. We're Coming really from the it. sixth form, I really appreciate thank,
0: that. Not at all. Thank, you can <laughs> you can come to film society.
2: Yes. Join film. Soc. Yes. If I get one of those REF great coats, will you let me into yes, the gas? Yes, you will. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the word.